do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12:2. This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thomas Chalmers, the great 19th century Scottish pastor, professor, author, and statesman, was undeniably a man of action. He was the quintessential reformer. He founded more than two dozen missions organizations, Bible societies, neighborhood schools, and community outreaches. He planted two churches, one college, and even a denomination. He established publishing houses, including the world's largest Bible publisher, today's HarperCollins. He was a friend of William Wilberforce and William Pitt. He was the pastor of Sir Walter Scott, Adam McAdam, and Robert Louis Stevenson. But at the heart of all that he undertook for the kingdom was prayer. His byword for all of his activities was, I would pray unto watching and watch unto praying. His busy schedule and demanding commitments never deterred him from what he believed was his most important exercise and his most vital engagement, his daily time of prayer. Indeed, he considered any prayerless day a wasted day, saying to squander the hours with mere activity, however important, is to altogether miss the enlivening work of the Spirit amidst our sweet hours of prayer. Chalmers began each day praying through the Scriptures. He followed the old Scots-Presbyterian discipline of Ore Biblicae Quotidene, something akin to the Lectio Divina. After his deep devotional reading, he would walk, praying through the passage as he went. Then he would record his digested passage prayer in his journal, or Flora Legium. In the process, he would memorize the keystone verse from the passage, which would then shape his thinking, praying, and doing for the rest of the day. When Chalmers would disciple men, such as his students, Robert Murray McShane, John Urquhart, Andrew Bonar, and William Chalmers Burns, he taught them this method of prayer, and each of these men, who would in turn gain great renown as men of unction and action and holiness, testified that it was this posture of deep prayerfulness that quickened their own ministries, all of which so profoundly shaped the spiritual renewal of the Victorian age. Where might the church learn the mastery of prayer, Chalmers asked. Let us turn to the cutter's wife, the nursing mother or the grandmother in her yarns. Perhaps it ought to arrest our attentions that the people most oft noteworthy for prayerfulness in the scriptures turn out to be such as these, the Deborahs, the Hannahs, the Marys, the Annas, 
the Lydias, and the Phoebes. His approach to prayer was exceedingly practical and was evidenced in the whole of his life and ministry. First, his prayerfulness was marked by gladness. He was often heard to exclaim, Let us go joyfully to the house of God in his name. As he declared, Better than all speculation on happiness would it be that you prized the operation of the Spirit on your heart and that you earnestly and habitually prayed for it. No wonder he was renowned for his gladsome disposition. Second, the prayerfulness of Chalmers was marked by a passion for holiness. Let me never cease to pray for the Spirit to make good my sanctification, he wrote. He was a very practical Christian, practicing a very practical Christianity, aimed at the eradication of sin in his own life and the encouragement of holy habits in the lives of others. And it was prayer that was at the very heart of this practical purpose. It was prayer that prefaced all his exhortations. As he declared, Be not surprised at your miserable progress in sanctification if you are a stranger to the habit of prayer. Third, Chalmers saw prayerfulness as part and parcel of his calling. Give me, O Lord, he implored, to alternate duty with prayer and prayer with duty. Indeed, he asserted, earnest prayer and vigorous performance should always be alternating, the one with the other. Good word with God in secret qualifies for a good work with man in society. Prayer for him was never an impediment to doing. Instead, it was the inducement, the impetus, and the implement of doing. Fourth, the prayerfulness of Chalmers was marked by persistence. I have long resolved never to start anything that I cannot then saturate in prayer, he declared. In fact, if my busyness results in prayerlessness— then all my activity is for naught. He was prodigious in activity, writing, preaching, teaching, organizing, discipling, and leading. Thus, he purposed to be all the more prodigious in praying. Fifth, the prayerfulness of Chalmers was saturated in Scripture. As he admitted, I have no right to look for miracles of grace if, myself, I will not put into busy operation the means of grace. After all, he said, the Spirit guides us unto all truth, and all truth is to be found in the Bible. The Spirit, therefore, guides us unto the Bible. Thus, his heart's cry was always, let me be well instructed in the mysteries of the kingdom and let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. May that be most evident in my praying. According to historian Ian Murray, 
When Thomas Chalmers was born in 1780, it was about the deadest time in the history of the Church of Scotland since the Reformation. When he died in 1847, it was about the alivest. The difference was almost entirely attributable to the Spirit's work through him. So, what was the secret of Chalmers' extraordinary spiritual power, his enduring effectiveness, and his astonishing fruitfulness for Christ's kingdom? Surely, in large part, it was his utter dependence on prayerful intercourse with the Father. And that is the basis of both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, go to georgegrant.net.